The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. And, well, for once I can say this and it actually kind of means something. Welcome to a very special Thursday. Oh, yeah, our Christmas show, we'll call it, right? Yeah, it's our yeah. it's our Christmas show. Yeah, we're just, we're out of here in five hours. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going, but uh, yeah. we're out of we're we're out of here. Well, I'm not sure where I'm going yet. Uh, I, I'm just uh, went to a Twitter, looked at Twitter, and saw what's trending. Mm. <laughs> and number one, Buffalo. And I went, no, yeah, that's not a good no, sign. Not no, a, yeah, not a good no. sign. And it says, but it says Buffalo sports, and you're thinking. Oh, okay, it's something sports-related. No, it's weather-related. They canceled the hockey game on Friday night. Oh, man. And, and, and my father, when I talked to my father, I said, you know, I'm hoping to be back, but just, you know, be prepared. Yeah. He goes, you know how many times you've said that? And I said, yeah, but this time. Now, the game, you know, that's when it's expected to get really bad. Uh, and 11 a.m., I can still see a window where I can get in. And, uh, you know, that where I can still get in and I'm flying through Charlotte uh, and that'll be fine. But the temperatures in Charlotte are going down into the uh, into the low teens. Now, you're expected to land in Buffalo at 11 local time. Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. 11 right. on Friday morning. So mm. uh, and and so but the the flight and I'm flying Dallas to Charlotte and then Charlotte to Buffalo. And the Charlotte flight to Buffalo, the incoming flights coming in from Toronto. So that's that's but it's but coming in early early morning. It's early morning, early though, morning right? so uh, it, okay. it should be okay because it'll still be above above freezing. Right. Yeah. And and so they say the worst of it is going to start actually east of Lake Ontario. Okay. So I yeah. and and right when I right when I'm supposed to land the the winds will be 28 miles an hour then it starts going up after that to like 30 at noon whatever but still the big you know those the bigger planes can land in that. There's no problem yeah, with it, right? And yeah, if it's yeah. snow covered, it doesn't. I mean, I've I there's a video of me that that I took on Facebook. It'll probably come up here in the next couple of days. It, uh, yeah, it would have been. It, it was Christmas. It was sometime in January or February when I landed at Buffalo Airport. You would think that I'm landing in Antarctica. Just the, yeah. the scene. I mean, everything's snow covered. The runways. Right. Every, so I mean, they they can do it, and it may be no problem. But I think later on in the day, with the blizzard conditions and everything else, they will start canceling flights. So. 
the thing is, normally they will start canceling early. I should know uh, probably before I go to sleep, uh, you know, tomorrow night, which uh, after I get off the air, you know, I'll go, I'll go home, uh, go home, go to sleep and then wake up, do stuff during the day and probably go to sleep at eight or nine and wake up at one. Mm-hmm. Just because I want to make sure everything's, you know, every faucet is perfect, you know, you know that it's dripping, yeah. uh, uh, and and but um, uh, you know, I when I wake up, if they're going to cancel it, they'll cancel it. They they're very the airlines always seem to me around Christmas and Thanksgiving if they're going to cancel, they cancel early, so you're not at the airport, right? Yeah, and so I don't know if if I can't get in Friday if that's canceled, I certainly can't get in Saturday with that they're saying is going to be the worst day. Mm. And then that means Sunday and, you know, says, yeah. well, we can get you in at nine o'clock at night on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, forget it. It's, you know, it's. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, what do they call it? The uh, explosive uh, cyclogenesis. The, ex- the, uh, the explosions, or what do you call it? The, uh, the bomb cyclone. Mm. But that's, and apparently it's just super low pressure comes in very quickly. And right. that's why you have the winds. Think of the north. I was reading in the northwest. They had one of these a couple of years back. Hundred eight mile an hour winds. Wow, that were caused because of it. So, wow. uh, and um, you know, I and people know. I mean, I want to get back to see my dad. He's ninety six, and you just you cherish every ninety six. Oh and yeah, a half. you cherish yeah, every yeah. every one. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that I've had the, uh, you know, the the uh, the great. Uh, opportunity to you know be there once a month for the longest mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and I know people that don't you know a lot of people can't afford to fly, and so mm-hmm. my I actually thinking a lot about you know those people that only get home once a year mm-hmm. or something like that to visit you know their relatives and 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 their parents and you know their siblings and you know they can't get in and it's like okay if I can't get in now I won't be back for another year or two that you know mm-hmm. that. I'm sort of thinking of that more than me. It's like, okay, whatever happens, happens. You know, I'm at that point in my life. If I get in, fine. Now, what I don't want to do is get stuck in Charlotte and not be able to get back. Well, <laughs> I don't yeah, want to spend Christmas right. at an airport. Yeah, that's. But, yeah, right. But again, I, you know, it's we'll we'll see. Yeah, okay. We'll, uh, we'll see what uh, what uh, what happens. But yeah, everything is about everything. When I when I went to Buffalo and it's at Buffalo Sports, I'm like, where's the sports? It's all about weather. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's canceling a sporting event. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I uh, I got out there and and finished all the uh, winter prep on the outside. We've got um, some pretty healthy cabbage and broccoli growing in one of the garden raised garden beds. Uh, I was able to cover that up, and uh, I was able to. Hopefully, I'm I'm able to save it because I, I I want to keep that warm because that's going really really great and I'm hoping it turns out. My wife put a lot of work into that. Then I cover the shrubs in the front, you know, and uh, it's it, it's weird because it was beautiful outside. I I slept in the morning because it was still kind of cold or cool, and I got up. You know, I set my alarm and got up in the afternoon around one o'clock and went out there and got to work. And it was just gorgeous out there. And that's all going to change. We're just going to get wind, high wind and high gusts uh, and cold temperatures. Uh, you know, yeah. the, 
one of the uh, local uh, TV affiliates, NBC5, was talking about the possibility of lake effect snow, <laughs> which I've seen here only one time because it doesn't show up in the forecast. And what happens if you're downwind and we've had such warm weather and there's and they call this what they call it a flash freeze. NBC5 didn't use that term. I saw another meteorologist yesterday that used it, a flash freeze, basically going from a, you know, mild temperatures to very cold sub-freezing temperatures in a short period of time. And when you have that, you know, that air, as you know, growing up in Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that cold air uh, over that warm water, it only carries it for a little bit. In the last time it happened, the only time that I know of, it's it may have happened before, the only time that I actually witnessed it, it was barely visible and it was not in the forecast and everybody's like wait a minute what is this and they explained it later on the uh... yeah because you have you have some big lakes so i mean there there can be the the cold air can go across 20 miles and mm-hmm. pick pick it up now right. my lake's only about a mile and a half across so right. probably doesn't have the opportunity to do anything mm-hmm. uh in in that short of a distance but some of the lakes in texas when you see them I mean, they're huge yeah and yeah. the water is so warm yeah, you know, it's uh, very warm compared to even the Great Lakes, mm-hmm. for example, when lake effect snow is is caused by that, because more lake effect snow, uh, you know, when they talk about, uh, you know, off of Lake Erie, for example, mm-hmm. and Lake Ontario is definitely possible because, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're going to get hit. And I'm going to guess the temperatures of those lakes have to be, I don't know, 33, 34, 35, yeah. you know, degrees, yeah. so... Uh, probably they, the lakes around here are still in their 50s, mm-hmm. and that's a huge temperature difference. Yeah, and, you know, you get a, a lake the size of Lake Texoma. Yeah, you cry, yeah. You know, and and, you, and and there's, again, they pointed out a possibility, and very few people will see it. It won't be measurable at all, but it will be fun to see it. It's it's just, to me, it's, it's uh, witnessing the phenomenon in Texas. <laughs> Lake effect snow uh, is is fun. Um, it's uh, I've got one, two family members, and their offices said on Friday everybody work from home already. Nobody come in, and I think it has to do with the fact that uh, they're working hard to you know in their offices to make sure that you know if anything is is shut down, they're not going to have a bunch of people there. Um, in the middle of the day or having to drive in the morning and get there. Um, if they're running into problems with plumbing or anything else or, or heating at their offices, they want to avoid people being there. So they've already shut the doors on it and said, work from home on Friday. I kind of saw that coming with my wife's company, uh, because they, they have the ability, she's in it and, and, uh, they have the ability to work from anywhere. But uh, they've already told them on Friday, everybody work from home. It's, you know, you, you mentioned the people that have to travel and that only get to travel, you know, maybe this time of year. And it's just horrible timing because you save up all year, especially right now with inflation. You save up all year to and, and hopefully you can make it home uh, for Christmas. And then it just becomes, you know, okay. The in lake, some areas near impossible. Yeah. Lake temperature off of Buffalo is still pretty warm. It's forty degrees. Mm. The, that's the water temp. Yeah, and uh, Lake Ontario forty one. But Lake Ontario, 
It goes, Lake Ontario never freezes mm. because the water keeps recirculating mm. from the bottom. The warm water comes up from the bottom. It's so deep. Right. Uh, Lake Erie isn't deep enough, and so that's why it, mm. uh, it, it freezes. So that's right. actually pretty warm, mm. you know, this time of the year as you get into late December. Yeah. 40 degrees. I just figured it'd be, you know, 34, 35, 36. Right. So. right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, you know, either, either way I'm blessed. Yeah. Either way I'm blessed this Christmas. So, um, you know, what, I guess when you get older, you just learn to go with the flow or whatever. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. Don't worry about the things you can't control. Exactly. Exactly. Plan accordingly. But, you know, aside from that, there are things you can't plan for. You can't change. And now the only thing that did bother me is on the way to work, I did get gas. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, it was 44 degrees with that wind. And I'm thinking it's going to be over 30 degrees colder. Yeah, when you go to the airport. When I go to the airport. Boy. And the wind's going to be, well, we're not getting gas. We're going We're going from the garage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From the garage right to the airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I won't be out. I won't be outside too long. I, uh, I, I stopped to get gas yesterday afternoon as well. And, and uh. I go in, and it's this store on the corner near my house, and I go in, and uh, I grab a drink, and uh, the guy that works there, he's he's uh, the co-owner, but he he does the morning till about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. He opens every every day, and I see him quite a bit, and so uh, he, uh, he uh, you know, I paid for the drink and told him, I said, Merry Christmas. He says, "Yeah, Merry Christmas." I said, "Because after today, I won't be getting out. <laughs> I won't see you before Christmas, Ike." So, Merry Christmas, uh, uh But uh, it was crazy at the hardware store. People in line with really all kinds of insulation and wow. and pipe wrapping items. Uh, that part was done. I needed a few wooden stakes for my plant covers, but that's all I got. But it was crazy. Yeah, there were a lot of people I, out. I shut down my pool and uh, yesterday I just put a tarp over it, just mm-hmm. you know, to because it's been warm and so it's like okay, any type of, and I'm going to be fine. I just I over prepare mm-hmm. Af- after Frizola in February, mm-hmm. and and you you told me yesterday that the expected the grid's going to have no problem, but right, right, I, according know, to the, at yeah. least a couple of reports, I, yeah. I got asked by yeah. a couple of people I know. They said, yeah. "Hey, we heard you talking about it. What are you talking about? Just run your pool." And I said, "They said you I, haven't you done that before?" And I went, "It's not about my pool. My pool would be fine if I if I ran it. Right. It's the grid." And they yeah. went, "Oh, I go. I just don't trust it." So right. to take ten minutes to do that, and then another, you know, the other day, and then uh, you know, put the tarp over takes five minutes, and then just screw a couple of screws in, and and uh, and, you know where the the uh, the water outlets are, and mm-hmm. and prime the pump and when i come back and it takes 10 minutes and i i'm positive i won't have to spend four grand again or now with inflation a year and a half later 15 grand yeah right <laughs> i don't know if it'd be that much or not. yeah probably yeah. might be might be another five thousand to do that but mm. so yeah i had to shut off i shut off the water and cleared some lines uh on a couple of pipes that go through uh the uh the attic because I have a shutoff inside, but I, I have to clear, drain the lines first to make sure they're not pressurized. So I, I shut off the main and then went and did that and got that out of the way. You have to shut off your water? 
Well, for the lines that I have, it's better to do that. You can leave water in the lines, but the point is, is that when water freezes, as it starts to thaw, it's going to expand and break. Oh, I know, but you mean you have to? You won't have water over this time? No, no, no. I I, I turned it back on only to drain the lines. I have a shutoff. I have a shutoff on that line on the inside, right? Okay. So you got to drain the line first, but the only way to do that is to go out, shut off the main, okay, drain that right. line. And then close the line off so when you turn the main back on, that water doesn't come in to that pipe. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, all right. You're yeah. talking about, the, okay, I see what you mean. Though. So that one source, it's a pot filler, and there, there's one other source that I shut off. I, the, uh, the guy that did the work on that put shutoffs inside, and I was like, thank you. Oh, my gosh. It's so great because you don't have to worry about it. You know, it's an older house. Mm-hmm. And the pipes are wrapped, but... Uh, that's one of the lessons I learned during freeze apocalypse. Now it takes several days for that to freeze, right? But right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, a- after that, it's you. I knowing me and knowing you, we both over prepared. Yep. And if I lose, if I was to lose power, and let's say it, and and it could be right. that that just my block loses power, right? That it's right. not a Turcotte thing or a grid problem. There could be a number of things that happen. High wind takes a line down or whatever. I just want to make sure that those lines are clear and I don't have to worry about it. Now, I have gas uh, appliances that I can use and fireplace that I can use to keep warm, but that's not going to do the, the yeah. trick on keeping the pipes warm. And for me, over-preparing is just that I'll have that sense of security when I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, right. nothing's going to go wrong. All right, exactly. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. Electrical systems are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Know the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention to help avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Keep an eye out for lights that are dim, as this is an early warning sign that your alternator is degrading and near the end of its life cycle. Lights that are brighter than normal, on the other hand, can indicate your alternator is overcharging. You should immediately get a full electrical system check if you notice either of these warning signs. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. The omnibus uh, bill uh, has stalled at least temporarily. We'll get to that. Well, senators are working on a short-term funding bill. <laughs> they don't want to work over Christmas, do they? No, they they, they don't, don't want to work. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> so we'll we'll get to uh, that. Uh, Zelensky speaks to Congress. Home sales down more than seven percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, da- the dangerous precedent sent by the uh, Democrat Trump tax dump. There was no reason to release it. No. No reason. And the precedent you set now is Congress now. You, you've set the precedent where Congress can release a private citizen's tax returns. Right. Which is actually against the law. Right. There was no criminal wrongdoing. You know the interesting thing? In it, they, you know, no, nothing illicit. He did nothing wrong. Right. Talked about his taxes and and criticize the IRS for not auditing him while he was on, president on, on you know on a consistent basis right 
But it's funny because when he became the, uh, the, the, the president, it was a Democrat head of the IRS who didn't audit him yeah. when the, when the new, uh, when the uh, Trump administration IRS head came in, then they audited him. Right. Yeah. That's the year they audited yeah, him. Yeah. It was what the first two years he was president. He didn't get audited. Right. And then <laughs> a, a Trump IRS, uh, 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 a Trump run IRS under the Treasury Department starts auditing again. And yep. they fa- they found nothing. Yep. There's nothing. nothing. There's Aside nothing. from that, there was nothing. Which means they shouldn't have released it. Exactly. Santa knows if they've been naughty or nice. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. We agreed he won't talk about it. And he's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. Welcome and thank you for being here. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, so the uh, omnibus uh, bill stalls as uh, a the Title Forty Two amendment causes major problems mm. and uh, here's a headline senators begin discussing short-term funding bill negotiations surrounding the 1.7 trillion dollar spending package have stalled in the house as senator mike uh excuse me in the senate as senator mike lee uh, title 42 amendment has put a wrench into the process leading some senators to reportedly discuss a short-term funding bill instead uh Title 42, as you well, we know what Title 42 is mm-hmm. uh, already here. The uh, the uh, immigration policy that makes it easier for the federal government to send border crossers back to their native countries, uh, initially implemented by uh, Trump at the start of the presidency. The, a federal judge recently ordered the Biden administration to phase out the program by December 21st. However, following an emergency application filed by a coalition of Republican states, uh, John Roberts of the Supreme Court recently halted that lower court's order to end it, leaving the program's fate in the federal judiciary's hands. Senator Mike Lee's uh, Title 42 amendment ties funding for the Department of Homeland Security Office of the Executive Secretary to the Biden administration, keeping Title 42 in place, Politico reported. So it ties funding for the Department of Homeland Security to keeping Title 42 in place, and apparently that has stalled uh, that, uh, that bill I was reading here, I think it was, uh, I think it was national review. I forgot who it was in national review that was, uh, saying, you know, basically McConnell's trying to do the best that he can. And I, I think it was, and I think it was, um, uh, and, and going after Molly Hemingway mm. and, and the column that she wrote yesterday talking about, you know, the Democrats are all together saying she didn't, you know, Take the entire context of what he said and mm-hmm. and said he's trying to do the best he can in a situation where Republicans are in the minority. Uh, I I think what what uh, that opinion misses is if we cannot, if the Republicans cannot stand up when we have seen what uh, the spending has done to inflation and how it's harmed Americans. 
if we know where we're going now, if we see if the results of the if the I guess the consequences of the spending have been felt and we know what we are doing is not sustainable and we know it brings incredible harm to every single American and the leadership of the Republican Party in the Senate is like, well, it's the best we can do. Mm-hmm. That doesn't cut it. No, it just doesn't cut it. There's a seriousness that we have finally gotten to that isn't theoretical. It's not, well, if we do this, this might happen. We know now what will happen. Well, we've been kicking this can down the road for so long. Now we're at the end of the road. And it it isn't uh, a one of these <laughs> slippery slope discussions anymore. And we, it, it is absolutely serious because there is a point, there is a breaking point, there is a threshold, and we're reaching it. We're getting close to it. And whatever you can do, and and again, you know, because the question is, well, are they just arguing over fifty? You know, what is it, uh, forty-eight billion dollars or mm-hmm. twenty-six billion, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and that's uh, meaningless. I don't care. Uh, I what I want is the Republicans who claim that they are fiscal conservatives to have in the house to have a say in it and see yeah. what you can see what you can do to sit there and just throw your hands up and go well to hell with the american public to hell with future generations yeah i'm not going to even yeah. fight we're not, we're just you know we're just not going to fight we're just going to do it because uh you know there's uh it, it's it's going to get messy <laughs> we don't like messy yeah. i mean this is that's and and that is the problem we talked about this uh, and and have for for several years now, uh, you know, beyond uh, the Trump era, are there going to be any Republicans that are willing to fight to go to work for their constituents? This is the appeal of a Ron DeSantis. Um, on Capitol Hill, it seems lost. Yeah, it was Luther uh, Ray Abel who wrote hmm. the the, uh, the 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 column saying, "Well, you know, they're really not taking." They're not taking the whole context of what McConnell said. Uh And it says here it is. um, uh, McConnell is lauding his party's success in securing real dollar adjustments that benefit defense while not surrendering to Democrats on domestic spending. Given that his party is effectively in the minority in both houses of Congress, Republicans should get what wins they can. Some GOP House members suggest a continuing resolution, a short-term deal that would push the budget process into the next Congress, developing a budget with a minuscule advantage in the house and a democrat controlled senate is a recipe for holding the bag come a government shutdown the fact is you know what what he is stating is that the republicans will be blamed for the shutdown and therefore less of a chance of winning which is the problem that republicans have is that the public wants the spending no i mean even yeah, if it is even if it's and we we've gone through that already right. We've gone through that. The public has surrendered and said, we don't give a damn about future generations. Right. The voting public has, now maybe not if you're a conservative, but the voting public has said, we don't give a damn about the future. Right. Just give us what we want right now. Right. And and so, as we have said, that there is the realization uh, from, I believe, somebody like McConnell, look, it's not going to make any difference. We're arguing over, you know, $26 billion, $30 billion, $40 billion. That's not going to make a difference in where it goes anyway. So let's see if we can get the, you know, he might be thinking this. Let's see if we can get the political advantage in the long run and just say, look, the Democrats are in control. They passed this 
budget. But we've seen this over and over again for years, and the problems never get solved. And if you don't use the shutdown to get any type of negotiations, then will we ever get it under control? And it's like, well, look, if Republicans don't agree with Democrats to spend the money that the public wants and they won't get reelected and the Democrats will just spend more, that is actually a real problem that exists out there. We've seen it already. Mm -hmm. And again, what you just pointed out with their constituents, Republicans, saying no, don't cut. Nobody, very few people are, are calling for true austerity. I mean, very no. few people. No, no. And so politically, what are you going to do? Well, because if let's say, all right, Republicans get Republicans in 2024. Uh, they get the House, they get the Senate, and they get the executive branch. Well, the problem's still the same. We can't cut or we won't win the next election. Yeah, right. The midterm will be right. horrible. The, pro- the the problem doesn't change whether you whether you are in the minority or in the majority if that's what you believe. Right. But the real world consequences, no matter what the public thinks, is hurting the public each and every day. Everything that you feel right now because of inflation is because that's what the American voter voted for. Yep. And it comes from way too much spending. And yeah. this is something and borrowing. That, and, and if you don't learn from that hot stove, I don't know how you learn. If you don't change, people should be screaming that this never happened again. But instead, no. And, and I don't know the thought behind it. But I really don't. I'm in trouble now. I don't care about next year. No, it's... It, the, it really is the, I'm drowning, and I don't care who I have to put underwater to get to the top to get air. That's what it's about. And when it gets that bad, we saw it in 2009. Well, I'm a conservative, but the banks got theirs, I want mine. Yeah. And and How many now, calls did we get oh, on that? It was, I mean, people, it, people would call the show, I'm a conservative, the banks got theirs, we should get ours. Yep. As if there's this money tree right. that just, but then again, that's not a, that's more of a populist conservative. You and I've been through this many, many times. Where we'll some of you'll say, "I'm more conservative from you guys," but if the banks got theirs, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, the banks shouldn't have gotten theirs. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're you're uh, I'm a conservative meter that you ordered on Amazon sucks. <laughs> I would send it back. <laughs> or <laughs> the definition of a conservative by Bill Crystal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a university. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll change it. We'll just change the meaning of words. Why not? But no, I mean, this is exactly where we are. 2016, we're going to undo Obamacare, the Republicans said. We're going we're gonna to undo it all. 2017. We're we're, yeah, we're gonna okay. We'll just undo the 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 part that causes pain, paying for it, right? So Why? Because politically, if you cut the benefits, you're screwed, right? And Republicans are screwing up 
enough items themselves as a party, uh, you know, to to worry about something like I, I mean, think about that. You can't get your messaging on point. And, and here's the thing. If you had done that years ago. If you had done that years ago, then maybe the American public, maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying it's it would be the case, but just maybe you'd have a better shot at getting the points across now or along the way. Maybe we didn't spend as much. I forgot who uh, said it. This goes back maybe 15, 20 years. But I'll never forget it was a Republican who said, you know, you go in and you've got, you know, all of your, you know, your conservative mindset and, you know, what the federal government should do. And then you become a Congress, uh, a congressman, congressperson, senator, whatever. And all the calls you're getting are people needing help. So mm-hmm. you're just drawn yeah. into that mentality yeah. that the federal government is there to help everybody with everything all the time. Right. And that's just a mentality that that exists there because that's all you hear. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you're the federal government. I don't care about the Constitution. I need help. Give me money. Right. No, I mean, that's with the uh, student right. loan thing. Yeah. The timing for the Democrats, if they were ever going to have support on that, because remember, the polls early on were showing, wait. I shouldn't have to pay for somebody else's college loan. But the support grew. Now, again, you still had a lot of people saying, I don't support it. But the support grew because of inflation, because people were drowning, because I shouldn't be paying this and, you know, just throw it out the window. Well, the support grew when they said, should college loans be forgiven? When they actually asked the question in a different way, the support went Well, I mean, I mean, amongst the the people who... Had the loans and yes, and yes, otherwise yes. would say no, that's on me. I've got to I got to pay my own way. That desperation becomes greater and greater when they're choked out by inflation, and that's exactly what was happening. And that's what's going on right now. Don't you dare include austerity. You know how many prime ministers the UK has been been through? <laughs> I, it's like nine or ten. I'm pretty exactly. sure. I could right. be wrong, but somebody mentioned austerity. Oh, my gosh, I forget which European leader it was. Uh, recently, it was about two or three weeks ago, it said, no, we will. This was their political point. There will be no austerity. I'm like, whoa. We must continue yes. what got us into exactly. this horrible fiscal situation. Right. Don't you dare say we need to solve the problem. You have my promise, no austerity. <laughs> and that's exactly where we are. Eight six six ninety red eye Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Every time I hear Christmas music now, it's just like, I don't want to talk about all this stuff going on in the world. <laughs> I want to, I need a break for listen, a couple of days. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, this will get everybody's spirits up. Uh, we're doomed. <laughs> we are absolutely doomed, and to all a good night. Um, Thank you there, Mr. Cratchit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just had a great idea. You did? 
they need to do office space Christmas version and Gary Cole. Yeah, we're going to need you to work on Christmas Day. They yeah. need to, oh, that, Mike Judge, make that happen. Um, here's the thing. As we pointed out, I mean, if you want to look at, I guess, a bright spot um, or hope, if you still believe, Gary and Eric will bring you hope and change for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is all fixable. The items oh, yeah. that are on, and they're massive items that are on the plate for this society, for our nation, are choices. Yeah. And we can make different choices. Full stop. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Good morning. Welcome. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and have yourself a wonderful Christmas. Because you can listen to us when and where you want. That's right. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Our uh, friend uh, Matt Murphy will be here tomorrow. And Dan Mandis will be here next week uh, filling in for us while we're out. And then we come back sometime mid-February, <laughs> early March, somewhere in there. It's going to be a while. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a minute. We'll be out. We'll be, uh, we'll be back the day after Easter. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, we we get back. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Taking control of the House officially. Yeah, we will. Wow. Yep. yep. By the way, on this day in, uh, in history, mm-hmm. uh, well, I haven't done this since I was a music DJ. On this day in on history. On this day in history, and you'd go through the entire list, remember? Don't forget to wear pants. It's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought this was interesting. On this day, uh, December 22nd, 1808, and maybe this is because I will be seeing Trans-Siberian Orchestra next week, uh, Beethoven's fifth debuted in concert. All right. So there you go. And now here's more of your classical music favorites. (laughs) (laughs) We do classic, uh, classic Christmas channel. Uh, Coming up, we're going to have more of Bob Seger. He did uh, Little Drummer Boy. Seger did. And we could probably get some Greg Lake. We probably have won't have enough classic rock Christmas for an entire hour. 
<laughs> but I think it's a format we should start nonetheless. <laughs> Did Aerosmith ever do a Christmas song? I don't. I don't know. Is there any heavy? I don't think so. Yeah, there have been heavy metal versions of Christmas songs, though. Uh, there? Yeah, I mean, if you want to call D. Snyder and Twisted Sister. <laughs> Uh, heavy metal, I mean, uh, I guess. What did they do again? I forgot they, did, they did Oh Come All Ye Faithful, which is the it, it, which they basically are admitting we're not going to take it. It's the same chord progression as <laughs> Oh Come All Ye Faithful. So they did it. Uh, it actually was pretty funny. Yeah. Now, I think there were, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, who should do one? Yngwie Malmsteen should do a... <laughs> How is he not with Siberia, uh, Trans-Siberian? He should be on one of the touring groups. I wonder if he's made appearances with them. You know, they have a guest every once in a while. Oh, yeah. So, I, I saw this goes back a few years. but um, And this was after I'd seen them. I don't prefer to see Trans-Siberian after Christmas. Right. I almost didn't go this year. Because I'm like, I don't want to go see after Christmas. Because yeah. to me, the buildup, normally they're in Dallas within a week of Christmas. Yeah. If it falls during the week, it's like a Saturday or Sunday show. Right. And it's just, it's awesome. And right. I've even gone to the Sunday shows. If we have to work that night before Christmas, I go to the 3 o'clock show. Mm-hmm. And it's done by 5.30 and I'm home by 6. I go to sleep. Uh, but to me, it's, you know, it, um. After Christmas, I'm looking to New Year, but I just said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go." But the last time I saw them, where they played after Christmas in Dallas, Paul Rogers was their guest. Oh wow! Because Paul yeah. O'Neill, I mean, I think he used to you know produce uh, Paul Rogers, but somehow he was in town, mm. and so he did two Bad Company songs. It was great. Yeah, I mean, wow! There you are for a Christmas show. Yeah, and they play Bad Company. Yeah. You know, the bad company, bad company, the, mm-hmm, that the song, company, the mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, can't get enough of yeah, uh, can't get enough of your love. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because it's a Christmas show. And then Paul Rogers comes on. But he's such a great singer. Oh, no, that's where, that. Oh, yeah. Where because he actually when uh, after Freddie Mercury died, he did some stuff with Queen, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think and, they did. Uh, they did uh, li- a couple of, of tours. Or something, or? Yeah. And it was. Queen with Paul Rogers is how that was built, right. yeah. And and it, I mean it was fantastic. I mean the whole crowd went crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like right. and, and you're like, okay, it shows there's a ton of classic rockers here. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh Perfect. that's the only time I've ever seen a guest, but I know a lot of different guests. Uh there is a uh one because uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, she's a huge fan of Aerosmith. And I said, Hey, I think that uh I think that uh uh Steven Tyler was there one time, and and the late uh, Paul O'Neill, uh, who really is the was the creating force of Trans Siberian Orchestra. I know he produced Aerosmith stuff. I think he produced an Aerosmith live album. Paul O'Neill did, but Stephen Tyler comes out and starts doing Aerosmith with Trans, and it was great. I mean, yeah, it was absolutely yeah, right. great. You're right. just like, and they're such a powerful uh, uh, band. I remember the one time the the one time that I went that I met your son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And your son wanted to make sure that he met me, and so we yeah. we uh, 
met at a wine bar right around the corner with right. the people I was going with. And, right, right. And uh, That's when he was in seventh grade. He's a heavy drinker in junior high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know, I, I was the okay with it. And I was okay with it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but he that, was an adult. That was a one year where they changed up everything and it wasn't good. Yeah. It just wasn't good. I mean, they just, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. And it was really heavy male vocalists. I'm like, yeah. nah, I can handle, I can handle a little, I can handle some of the male vocalists, but it can't be dominated. You've got to get, for example, on the West Coast, uh, uh, Chloe Laurie, who is just the most unbelievable. That that woman should be uh, a million times more popular than than uh, uh, Lady Gaga or any other woman out there. This yeah, woman right. has the most incredible voice. Where when she sings. And it's a very rare thing in music when somebody can almost bring you to choking up. When you're choking up listening to a voice, yeah. a singing voice, to me, that's the ultimate music. You get goosebumps, and then you start crying. Mm-hmm. She has that kind of powerful voice that's so incredible. And, and she works with a ton of she was uh, She did stuff with um, in the Yanni special, like when she was real young. She, mm-hmm. she was on the Yanni special, and mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. You know, just said... and. Uh, and so she does stuff on her uh, own, which is really good. But when she starts singing the the Trans Siberian stuff, you just yeah, you you melt, you absolutely melt. You're like, wow. There, I hear a voice and I say, well, there's evidence of a god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that is a gift. That is a gift that just no. And I'm sure it's a gift plus talent. I mean, you have to you have to work at that in order to do that. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but they're such to me. They're just such a they they uh and i i i like the same thing every year when it comes to christmas i think we all do i think most of us yeah, like sure. the repetition sure. i think sometimes the band thinks well we need to up and do something different it's like mm-hmm. no christmas is about if there's any holiday about nostalgia it's yeah, christmas right yeah my son had seen them before and mm-hmm. i think a couple of times before that and it was like Ugh, and that made me glad that i skipped that year um and but Ultimately, you know, and I forget who said it, you go out, you play the hits, you know, for, yeah. for the bands that uh, tour and, you know, they want to get out there and do, all right, we're going to do, uh, we're only going to play our new album or we're only going to, or we're going to go on a, a run where, you know, half of the music is from our new album or whatever. The audience shows up for the familiar stuff. That's what they pay for. It's mm-hmm. uh, the Eagles. Uh, before Glenn Fry, um, if you saw them live and you were listening to the Eagles live, it sounded like the album. And Glenn Fry, um, Don Henley talked about it, that Glenn Fry was a drill sergeant. He recorded every performance and they worked on everything that he found in that past performance repeatedly until they fixed whatever he found. And that's just the way he was. And that's what an audience wants. And their audience wants that. I mean, they're uh, one of the top-selling artists of all time. And you, when you get to that live setting, there are some artists that, that will get out there and do a live show, and, and their fans will say, no, I like the way that they did it live. It was different. It sounded different than the album. And there are plenty of artists where... I could say that they actually, their live performance improved on the 
studio recording. That the live performance was actually better and had more energy in it. But a lot of, but, but the point is, is that they want to hear the familiar stuff. They want to hear, you know, the hits. The, uh, if I hear an Eagle song on the radio, it's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, uh, you know, in my phone, in my, <laughs> in my library, I have the, uh, the Eagles live from 94 when they, when everybody got back together. Mm-hmm. Hell everybody, freezes over. Mm-hmm. The what? Hell freezes over. Yeah. Hell, mm-hmm. was that the Hell freezes over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every, mm-hmm. When everybody was back together for the, yeah. it was the MTV show. Yeah. I saw and, them that year. And here. And that, the, uh, it's an extended version of Hotel California now. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's been in radio as long as we have been, you played Hotel California to the point where you never wanted to hear it again. Right. I could listen to their live version and just listen to it over and over and over and right. over again. Right. And then Joe Walsh doing In the City right. live is just absolutely unbelievable. Because if the, you know, now I guess because I... Uh, Maybe I would if the if I was listening to a classic rock station, it came on. I would listen to the recorded version because I just enjoy those two versions so much. But yeah, Hotel California that I was so sick of, mm-hmm. never wanted to hear again ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like this is fantastic. What a great song that was! Now they do a little bit of an extended version, especially the intro, right? Which is, right? Which they is did, just they did back then. And and that was something, you know, that they they talked about and said, you know, look, it got to a point where and and I think Trans-Siberian probably learned this. You know, your audience wants something very specific. Mm -hmm. And there was the Eagles, uh, uh, the the documentary on the Eagles where they said, look, it's us, too. Glenn Fry, Don Henley, we wrote songs. We're we're the band, so you know we're gonna we're gonna take the reins. When they did that, when they made that move, and that was kind of the you know the the almost the reset right of the band saying, okay, this is what the band is. Yeah. And they had a falling out with you know former members and everything else. Um, but when you look at that and say, all right, that's the classic lineup, and when you're going to get people to spend money on that, you have to realize. What are they willing to spend their money on? What are they not willing to spend their money on? What works and what doesn't work in a live show? And I heard them in San Diego. I wasn't there, but it was I could hear them outside my hotel room. They were playing a, actually a private party on, uh, on a Navy ship right there in San Diego. And it was a party that was for 100 people, but they were playing it outdoors. And I thought a restaurant was, was playing, blaring the album. And then I realized it was Freightliner had hired them to play this private party, and every single song was to a T. It well, was just, and, yeah. and we've seen them multiple times. And over the years, they basically got to where. And Don Henley used to do his on his solo stuff. He used to do like a three and a half hour show because he could do his solo work and he could do the Eagles work. But in the later years with the Eagles. Uh, leading up to, and I, I, I haven't seen them since Glenn Fry uh, passed away, but in the later years, it was when you showed up. I mean, it was like, it was almost like walking through a musical museum. You know? <laughs> well, hey, you're absolutely right. You know, when I'm thinking of Trans-Siberian, what they give me is the sound is perfect. Yeah. Not that yeah. it isn't loud, but it's not. 
I'll never forget the one time where, and this is in the 70s, when I saw Skinner the first time. Yeah. And, you know, after Pronounced Leonard Skinner came out, I mean, that was such a crystal clear album. Yeah. When right. you think about it. And even, yeah. you know, Free Bird. Yeah. You know, that's a crystal clear. The production of that is just amazing. And it was organic and, the way the instruments are supposed right. to sound and the band when, was doing, when I, I mean, s- it, was, it was just a, it was a great, great. When I saw him live in a big auditorium, yeah. everything was just muddled together. Yeah. It didn't yeah. make any, you right. know, they, they couldn't reproduce what they did. Trans-Siberian reproduces everything, and the sound is perfect. And that's, it's, it's Christmassy. Yeah. You get your, you get your, <clears throat> being old classic rockers slash heavy metal, you get, you get that satisfaction, and then you get the Christmas satisfaction, right. and then you get the, the the goosebumps from the most incredible kind of Broadway singers kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then you get a light show and a laser show that absolutely blows your mind. You would never, you don't need any drug to go see Trans Siberian. Yeah, it pulls yeah. whatever your endorphins are out of your brain right out of it. And you're like, wow. Yeah, Dino Jalusic, also another singer who is extremely talented that tours with them, and and I would say that. There, you know, it requires meticulous work to do it with that kind of precision every time. Yeah, you know, it's one thing to go out. You're you're doing a live show, but that requires a lot of work too. But if you're doing it to hit all the notes and make it sound just like the album, or make it consistent every show, that requires a a well, the discipline of a Glenn Fry. And I've been in enough because I actually prefer seeing bands in a club. Mm-hmm. But I've been to enough where it's like, eh, 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 eh. And then you go see them and it's like everything was absolutely perfect. Or the Eagles and you go, everything was absolutely perfect. There wasn't one mistake. Right. The sound mix was there. Everything was there. Right. Right. The you know the volume was right. Everything right. was right. right. And it's such a, a rarity. So even though it's the same show every year, it doesn't matter. It's like it's two hours of just perfection. Right. Right, which is great to see, so. and and you realize, and and I and it, it it took me a long time, even as a musician, to realize what discipline and how much work that requires. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. Eight six six ninety red eye. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at JJ Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on winter weather driving. As a driver, it's important to know the laws of the states you travel through. One example of this is in regard to tire chains. Not all states allow chains, but in some areas of the country, tire chains are required to be carried on commercial vehicles as early as September and as late as May. If you're going to be driving through a state that requires you to carry chains, make sure you're prepared with the proper size and number of chains needed for your vehicle, plus extra links. Regularly check the chains for broken hooks, worn or broken links, and bent or broken side chains. Know how to safely put chains on your vehicle's tires, and don't wait until the last minute to put them on. Pull over in a safe and level area, preferably a designated chain-up area. Wear reflective clothing to remain visible to other drivers. Make sure chains are snug but not tight, then check them regularly and retighten as needed. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. This report is brought to you by Pilot Flying J and by Shell Rotella. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. The other thing, too, we're just talking about, you know, music and Christmas stuff. Uh, I watched it last week. Now, I will admit, I uh, this year I did get. <laughs> uh, I, last year I got a brand new TV, and this year I got one of the, the, the best Sonus surround sound system there is, home theater system. Right, right. But Brian Setzer's Christmas special, his yeah, live Christmas right. special, I mean, just mind-boggling. And as I told you, I said, it's not a Christmas special. It's just Brian Setzer playing Christmas music. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm not insulting it. I mean, the whole Christmas theme is there and everything else, but he's such such a great guitarist. I mean, he really, really is. And that band, when they did the Nutcracker Suite, it just it blows yeah. your mind yeah. uh, with what uh, what he can uh, yeah, he's what he can do. incredibly talented. holiday season give the gift of the red eye radio app merry christmas from gary mcnamara and eric harley red eye radio for red eye radio 866 90 red eye ho 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 uh merry christmas uh you know in the first hour we had talked about the uh, whole budget bill and how the whole mike lee and the uh, title 42 amendment might uh squelch it and they might have to do it you know a temporary funding bill so they can all get home for christmas because they don't wish to miss it uh <laughs> that's for another day uh <laughs> but senator i just love this senator Rand paul says he's airing uh his grievances mm. early ahead of the annual festivus report <laughs> so every december 23rd on festivus when you're supposed to uh, air your grievances yeah this is from a there are probably people out there that have no idea what Festivus is. Festivus is from a Seinfeld episode mm-hmm. where uh, uh, George's uh, uh, father, uh, uh, long ago, mm-hmm. because of the commercialization of Christmas, came up with his own holiday that was less commercial, and it was called Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it very actually... Very funny. V- very, very funny. And you yeah. don't have a tree. You just have an aluminum pole. <laughs> and you you have your airing of grievances where you scream at everybody in uh, your family. Yeah. And the funny thing is, uh, it actually... That's actually... When I saw this, because uh, uh, this was one of the writers of Seinfeld, whose family actually did it. Yeah. Their parents came up, you know, with another... It's sort of tongue-in-cheek, but they came up with right. another yeah. holiday that right. they called Festivus. So it right. actually comes... From a real story. Now, some of the things were exaggerated in it, but the whole concept of Festivus existing, you know, in that family was actually true. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and I just, so Rand Paul's taking that, and on the 23rd, he will, tomorrow, he will air his grievances about what he disagrees with. Anyone on Capitol Hill that can do this properly, <laughs> it's Rand Paul. <laughs> I never would have brought those two together, Festivus and Rand Paul. Neither would I. Neither but, would I. No. But hell yeah. <laughs> That's exactly who needs to be doing it. In fact, it needs to happen. He needs to be doing this, uh, you know, he needs to, even if he ever retires, it needs to be him. 
he's he's the one I can trust. But there is this thing, the fact that he knows about that, that yeah. you just picture in your mind Rand Paul sitting on the <laughs> yeah. couch yeah. laughing at oh, Seinfeld. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Here's oh. the thing, though. That would be probably, if he were to actually do it in true Rand Paul style, that would be the longest filibuster ever. <laughs> if he's airing his grievances? Yes. <laughs> exactly. if, if, it's, if it's truly written from the heart and, and uh, of Rand Paul, then it would, it, would, uh, it would go for a very long, <laughs> long time. It wouldn't be just one day. Covering a couple of other things, what did you think of the FBI response yesterday? You to, know, to, it's, to, the, to the Twitter files. It's, um, it's again, the, it, it is the arrogance from the leadership at the FBI believing that, oh, no, we, you know, we can get away with it. Because, and, and this is predictable, that they were going to try and basically... Um, this is normal stuff. ...overgeneralize and say... Oh no! This is this is typically what we do, and and these things we have to make sure that we're on top of uh, any anything in, in terms of a threat from a foreign actor on social media or anywhere else, and blah blah blah, and it falls under the purview of the FBI, and blah 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 blah. It really was very Comey esque. Yeah, I, that's a great point. That's very Comey-esque. And, you know, because you they they aren't going to get in and talk about the details. They're not going to address the details. They're just going to say, oh, nope, it's what we do. And what they're saying is, we'll wait for um, oversight to come to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when it does, they're going to do the same. They're going to try the same thing. And, and who knows? I, I don't know what will happen and uh, what the Republicans might be able to find or disclose and 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 reveal to the American people during uh, hearings or anything else from a committee, but that's going to be the the response from the leadership at the FBI. And it's it it's I honestly don't know how the rank and file agent uh, you know feels about it. Uh, you know you you never know. Um, and my question is, could we see? Some whistleblowers on this, since it's come to the surface in the Twitter files, might you see some uh, rank and file whistleblowers uh, from the FBI uh, help to reveal even more facts? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see because what they say there were like eighty FBI agents, basically. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And Elvis Chan uh, in San Francisco, who uh, was the lead contact uh, for Twitter. Um, according to the Twitter files. Um, but then, you know, the whole Jim Baker thing. And then um, what uh, uh, Hemingway brought up, uh, we brought you the article yesterday, Molly Hemingway's husband, I'm blanking on his first name. Um, and he said, look, you know, is uh, uh, could this be what they call sheep dipping? And, and that is the idea of basically where, all right, uh, and they did this in the Vietnam War where there were people in, in service uh, and they would go and they would work for the CIA. Uh, but basically through their service records, they would make it look like essentially nothing happened. And and the the, the question here would be, uh, did um, agents at the FBI, because of the fact that there were so many that became employees at Twitter, 
not just the not just the Elvis Chan. He wasn't a, an employee at Twitter. There were others who, like Jim Baker from the FBI, went to work at Twitter. They actually Twitter became their employer. And so the question would be, well, wait a minute. Were they ever uh, associated with the FBI? Did they ever have any contact? Did they report back to uh, the Bureau on items that they found as employees? I mean, there are a list of questions here. And, but I, I fully expected that, that kind of, nope, it's what we do, and close the door, draw the curtains, turn the lights out, and wait for oversight to show up at your door. You know, one thing <clears throat> with all of this is the media can't cover it, because one of the things, if, if this was, if, um, <clears throat> let's say hypothetically that uh, Elon Musk had gone to, uh, I'm trying to think, of uh, Fox News and went to reporters at Fox News mm-hmm. and Newsmax and whatever, and they were the ones that he brought in to do the story. Yeah, right. Well, all they would have to do is criticize those reporters and look at those reporters. The problem is <clears throat> they picked, Elon Musk picked uh, reporters that have nothing to do with any conservative media at all. Right. And Elon Musk is not a conservative. Elon Musk is not a, he may, <clears throat> he may become a Republican, but, but he is, as we know, he voted for Biden. He voted for Obama. Uh, and he voted for Hillary. Right. Uh, so uh, that's where, and that's the problem that they, that's one of the reasons that they're quiet is because you may be able to try to attack the reporters a little bit as they did uh, Taibbi, but it didn't go anywhere. It it fell flat. Michael Schellenberger laid this out, the key facts yesterday. And and this, this is the problem. The FBI took Hunter Biden's laptop in December of 19 and knew that it didn't come from hacking. Right. They yes. had the laptop. They right. knew it didn't come from Mac. Right. And they knew that fairly right. quickly. And the FBI spent 2020 telling Twitter that a hack and leak involving Hunter would occur in October of 2020. Right. The FBI was spying on Giuliani when he gave the laptop to the New York Post. Um, he said, we don't know if the FBI agents who warned Twitter of the hack and leak operation involving hunter biden knew that the fbi had biden's laptop or that uh, b giuliani was giving it to the new york post but they didn't need to know that they could have been simply following orders huh. so they which which is a great point you know we yeah. talked we asked yeah did the right hand know what the left hand was doing right and he's saying well, sure. these reporter these fbi agents that were warning may have had no idea that their superiors telling them to do this, knew everything was bogus. If you but, if you want your kids to lie, you have to lie to your kids. Right. If you want your kids to tell the same mm-hmm. lie, you basically have to lie to them. So you, you make it seem real, and then the rank-and-file FBI agents that are assigned to this will go out, and they will, because they believe what you, what the, their superiors are telling right. them. And, yeah, no, that's a and, great point. And the fact that the FBI, this is directly from Michael Schellenberger, who did you know the research and found this, hmm. and the fact that the FBI waged a disinformation campaign grossly exaggerating Russian influence. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing. You're constantly going to Twitter and saying, we believe this is Russian disinformation. That we believe this, and Twitter kept coming back going, it's not, it's not, it's not. And they kept pushing it going, no, you don't know. It is, it is, it is, it is. 
He said the fact that the FBI waged a disinformation campaign grossly exaggerating Russian influence, even though they knew the source of the Hunter Biden information was a computer repairman from Delaware, is the reason for a special counsel and Congress to investigate. It appears as though FBI employees and former employees worked together to cover up evidence of criminal activity on Hunter Biden's laptop, perhaps with political motivations and interfered in an election. That appearance is enough for a special prosecutor and a congressional investigation. Uh, uh, Perhaps the FBI agents who hyped a Russian hack and dump involving Hunter Biden didn't know about the laptop or the surveillance of Giuliani. Perhaps the FBI found no criminal activity by Hunter Biden. If so, great. But then we need to clear the FBI's name through an investigation. Right. So either way. But if FBI agents had, in fact, been engaged in an influence operation aimed at influencing the election through the manipulation of mainstream reporters and senior execs at Twitter and Facebook, we need to root them out, uh, reckon with the implications and depoliticize the FBI. If the above is true, then this is by far the worst scandal in the history of the FBI. We simply cannot let our highest law enforcement organization interfere in an election in the ways the FBI agents appear to have done. The evidence laid out in this Twitter thread is sufficient to trigger a congressional investigation and or a special prosecutor by the Department of Justice. And there is much more evidence out there. A large, independent, and professional team must go get it. Wow. So there you go. That's Michael Michael Schellenberger. And that's the problem that they have. And for FBI to come out and say, oh, we didn't request any action on specific tweets. That's not the only allegation against you. Right. And to say, oh, no, it's just normal stuff. And, you know, we're just trying to warn. No, that's no. not. No. And, and well, that is another question. You're making it seem like this is normal for the FBI. The FBI is supposed to be investigating federal crimes, right. possible federal crimes. Right. Not right. attempting to censor. Where's the basis for it? And, you know, my question, I mean, I know what they say was the basis for the warrant for them to follow and spy on Giuliani at the time. I know the case they were trying to make. That case never came to fruition. So my question is, is this an extension of the type of behavior that we saw in 2016? Yeah. Where you're, where, where you're spying on the, on the political opposition if you're somebody who is otherwise politically motivated at, at the FBI. That you don't, you know, you're not a fan of Trump or whatever it is. You're going to spy on his lawyer. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Radio. He's Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Now, the interesting thing is uh, Michael Schellenberger here when he says uh, the FBI took Hunter Biden's laptop and 
December of 2019 and knew it didn't come from hacking. The FBI spent 2020 telling Twitter that a hack and leak involving Hunter would occur in October of 2020. The FBI was spying on Giuliani when he gave a laptop, gave the laptop to the New York Post. That's the entire point that the FBI, you know, that's that's where the, the, the dots are being connected, which brings you to the question, how did the FBI know that this would occur in 2020 and why were they telling Twitter? It's be, and this is what uh, Miranda uh, Devine from the New York Post has said that you know they were you know they had the covert warrant uh, uh, on uh, on Giuliani at that mm-hmm. time for charges that they dropped later on. Right, but they were monitoring his email, so they knew that she was getting the laptop story, and they were communicating back and forth as to when it was going to be released. So the FBI knew it, and then informed Twitter that this hack and you know hack and leak was going to come forward. Right. Is that all a coincidence? That they knew that. And the fact is they had the laptop to begin with. And they were monitoring what Giuliani had. Giuliani was uh, the conduit right. of getting the laptop to the New York Post. Right. That's a huge... I mean, that is... If, if, As he said, if all of this is true, it's the biggest scandal in the history of the FBI. Beats anything J. Edgar Hoover ever did. Yeah, true. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across... The USA and around the entire planet, all the way to the North Pole. We are Red Eye Radio. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Red Eye Radio. Red as in Santa Claus. See, it all fits. Soon Santa will be wearing shorts because the North Pole is melting. Make sure you teach your kids that, by the way. Hopefully the bomb cyclone doesn't stop Santa. You know, maybe it makes him, uh, it gives him more energy, you know, it's because isn't that how it works? I don't know how old I was. Maybe I was about 25 (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I, you know, started, you know, not believing in Santa anymore. Yeah. And what do you mean not believing, not believing what? Just, well, just in general, just say not believing in Santa in case any young kids are up at 206 central time in the morning. What are you, are you saying he's not real? And so uh, my father, who was still trying to get me to believe, hmm. came rushing in the house and said, turn on the radio, turn on the radio. And hmm. uh, it was NORAD, you know, the NORAD report that they were officially doing on the radio. Yeah. And yeah, that right. con- that convinced me for another year. <laughs> they wouldn't have it on the radio. <laughs> my Tracking da- him. as if- <laughs> My dad uh, sat me down at a young age and said, look, I'm a cop. Um, here's what you need to know. When you stop believing, you stop getting gifts. Do you have any questions? No, sir. (laughs) This is our Christmas show. We have no Christmas hors d'oeuvres. We have no Christmas food. We have no no Christmas alcohol. We have no Christmas eggnog. I just opened a a, a gift that someone sent me, and it was a a thank you gift from something that I did for them. and, And nothing. 
It no was food. in a box that has that's a food product box. Oh man, the skinny pop popcorn, uh-huh. and I thought it was a box of skinny pop popcorn. Now it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful award. It's a it's a thank you uh, mm-hmm. award that they gave me, but no food. It's not edible. <laughs> oh, you know what? There's what you said? You have edibles? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? There's there's an idea. Make trophies edible. There you go. <laughs> I'm really hungry right now. Um, but yeah, you I are. Uh, no, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful. It's just that I saw the, you know, the popcorn box, and I was like, oh, I love popcorn. But apparently, I'll have to wait to get that popcorn because <laughs> there's none. There's none in the box. There's none in the box. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, here comes the uh, long, long cold winter, or is in Texas, which uh, was about three days. Yeah, three um, three days, and then next week, next by the end of next week, I hope to be. I hope to hit the golf course once. Yeah, I have not played golf since the end of April. Right, not once. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. I mean that's that is a record for me. Yeah, for now. And the thing was, it just by the time we got to summer, you know, after that, and I had played in you know January, February, March, April, and then May came. Remember, remember, it got hot mm. in April and May. Got, yeah, I'm like, ah, no, I want to. We play. went straight into summer. Yeah, I said I don't want to play in the heat. And yeah. then when the nice weather started coming, I go, okay, I'll play this weekend. It would rain. Yeah. Every time I wanted to play, right. it would rain. Right. Right. Then right. I got cold. It's like, well, what the heck? And so now yeah. it's like I'm playing. It's like, okay, I, if it, well, that's if I get back. I don't know. But uh, uh, if I get back to Buffalo and then come back here, that's still to be seen. It seems that my little window may be closing in a little bit mm. weather-wise as mm. it seems like the storm may be hitting a little bit earlier now. Mm. Uh, but if either way, by Tuesday, I, I can hit the driving range. Yeah. And then Wednesday, right. I can hit the driving range before Trans-Siberian. And I may golf on, uh, it only takes me a couple, because I don't care how I play. I just want to get out. And, I just want to get out in 65-degree weather and yeah, right. hit, hit, a, hit a couple of golf balls. Right, right. You know, whether I play the whole 18, I don't know. And mm. I did not, I did in the beginning of the year, but I have not, for most of the year, I did not use my special seniors pass that I had to pay ninety nine bucks for. Hmm. That gets you a big discount, you know, right. on, on what the norm probably saves you ten to fifteen dollars around. So if you play, you know, ten times a year, you know, more than ten times a year or twenty times a year, which I would normally play at this one golf course or any of the golf courses associated with this one, you know, you save money. But <laughs> I blew that money. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, other than that, oh, next hour, uh, next hour, top of the hour, uh, it's uh, Gary's A Christmas Story. Yeah. That I tell every year. Right. That, uh, if you've never heard it before, you're going to, uh, really? That's your Christmas story? Oh, okay. So, there you go. A, uh, a very violent Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> The nightmare of Christmas morning. Well, it's what's interesting is, is that if if today that story were to go viral, that's what they would say. Is so you got to tune in to hear it. But when we were in, in, in that age, that's not what. No, it wasn't. 
No, it was just, it was a toy. It was a really cool toy. Yeah. My parents didn't think so. Though. No, they didn't. They, they didn't. They, they, they were upset with what they, my brother got me. Yeah. And that's, you know, but that's coming, that's coming next hour. Mm. So I started thinking with, cause we went through what Michael Schellenberger was saying about the whole Hunter Biden laptop and, mm. And and the FBI involvement in it, and yeah. there's major questions to be asked. And if the FBI believes they can simply say, "Well, no, this is just normal operating procedures." Sorry, that doesn't cut it. But as I told you, I said, you know, the allegations are so damning that if there's any truth to it at all, they don't know how to respond right to this. If yeah. they, right. you know, for example, McCabe didn't know about it, he didn't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. Is it McCabe? Ray? I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. McCabe. Director is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I'm on vacation already right. if I'm saying McCabe. Yeah. Uh Ray, uh, I, I don't know if they know how to respond to it. They may be looking and going, What? Oh my God. Uh but you would think they would say, These allegations seem serious. Whether true or not, we don't know here at the that, upper levels that, and right. we are going to investigate it. But they've basically just said, No, there's nothing here. Well, and that's it. Um because I would think you would not want to uh, even though the tw- the Twitter files, obviously, you have a handful of reporters now that have gone through them and, and pulled out these items. And it's really hard to deny these are the internal files from, from Twitter. Um, but you would still want to err on, on the side of denial, right? Not that you're going to all out and say that it didn't happen, but the response would be, there are many things to be learned from this situation, and right now we are learning those things. And when we have an answer for you, then that we will let you know. And beyond that, I mean, because you want to, you you want to at least pretend like you're addressing it, addressing the concerns of the American people. Of I don't know how three point four million dollars ends up being paid to Twitter by the FBI. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all these things, hopefully the Republicans will get uh, a, a chance to answer a ton of questions uh, or ask uh, 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 these questions. But you want to at least pretend like you're you're going to address it. Oh, we take this very seriously. We don't have all the answers for you now, but we will find them. Now, the so with all these things going on that the media is ignoring, and all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, they got Trump's taxes. They got mm-hmm. Trump's taxes. They're going to release Trump's taxes. They're going to release Trump's taxes. They're going to release it. 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 So part of it was released yesterday, and there's absolutely nothing there. Right. The only question, the only thing that ticked off Democrats is they're a little bit upset that when the, the Democrat head of the IRS was in power, he didn't audit Trump. Right. It took the Republican to audit Trump. Right. And But if you look at it, I'm just reading from the Hill.com. The five things we've learned from the release of the Trump tax records. Mm -hmm. Uh, The IRS didn't audit Trump in 2017 and 2018, and the Democrats want to know why. That's not on Trump. No. Uh, The the, uh, IRS started auditing Trump on the same day uh, that that Neil asked for Trump's tax returns. Trump was selected for examination on April 3rd of 2019, the same day that Neil wrote a letter to then-Commissioner of the IRS asking for Trump's tax returns. That's according to a letter from the IRS to Trump and his wife, published by the Ways and Means Committee, Don Beyer, on Tuesday evening, parts of what were redacted. Uh, Number three, Trump paid zero income taxes in 2020. 
uh, Trump was not making his money through investment. It was making his money through investments, not businesses. And Republicans say that the release of Trump's tax returns is a political weapon. For all we've gone through over the last five years on this, Trump's taxes, Trump's taxes. And we said from the very beginning, if there was fraud, the IRS would have picked up on it. Yeah. Through the audits, we'd know about it. Well, well, they would have they the IRS would have known about it. You know, through that audit process. Right. And if, if it wasn't audited the first two years, there's still now no indication of fraud whatsoever. No illegalities, no fraud. Uh, no Trump trying to influence the IRS in any way. Trump didn't complain about the audits. So they had, they got nothing on him, nothing. And that's why the release, I, I believe what they did broke the law. Hmm. Because they weren't releasing something that they said in the investigation that showed that Trump did anything. And the precedent it sets is you cannot release anybody's IRS tax returns you can't do that it's against the law they didn't have anything on trump it's not like okay we're going to release the tax returns oh what's in the tax returns what's in nothing absolutely nothing right if it if it came out of a criminal case and it was part of the evidence the evidence yes in that case that would be one thing but this was a fishing expedition to lay it out in front of the American people, and they still found nothing. And, and, then, and then they released they, they released part of it, then they were going to release more of it coming up. It's absolutely against the law. And they're saying, well, the IRS requires, the IRS policy requires an audit of the president. Well, that's on the IRS. That's not, that doesn't give you justification to release Trump's taxes. You don't have the authority to do that. And again, this is about what the law is, not emotionally whether you hate Trump or not. It's what the law is. And the Democrats in Congress don't give a damn about the law. And they set a precedent where Congress can investigate anybody now and release their taxes and claim that there's some, claim justification, which is bogus justification, and get away with it? Right. Just amazing. Just amazing. But nothing. Meanwhile, all this other stuff around, what, no, Hunter Biden, no, what, FBI, no big deal. We're going to release Trump's taxes. It shows he did nothing wrong. <gasps> oh, you got to be kidding me, really? He did nothing wrong? Yeah. Can you believe that for the first two years of his presidency, he didn't get audited? Then they find out that, oh, yeah, that head of the IRS at that point was a Democrat. Exactly. Oh, sorry about that. We want to know why we the Democrat yeah. didn't audit Trump. Exactly. No, I mean, they keep running into walls, walls that they build themselves. And and over and over again, it's the aha moment. Gotcha. And there's nothing there. If there were something there in in his tax returns, we would have it would have been the fall it would have been nonstop coverage by the mainstream media right and the fact that you know and, and you know some of the years he paid zero taxes well the losses he took right his business ventures and everything else when right. since he became president of the united states are huge yeah if you get laid off and you're not earning money right are you paying taxes yeah. or if your losses are greater than the income that you bring in mm-hmm. which means you're not earning anything right that's the idea, is that you're taxing income. income. 
if right. you don't have income. Did he did he break the law in any way? No. And this is exactly what they, you know, the Democrats would love to change. Well, the wealthy, but see the wealthy and the wealthy and see these corporations and the wealthy. Well, okay, so if they're losing money, they should pay a, a tax nonetheless. That's what they want. They yeah, want no, the wealth tax. Exactly. They want the wealth tax. Well, they, yes. they, and beyond that, they want a basis tax of, okay, you're going to pay 15% of your gross revenue, whatever that is. Yeah. Which exactly. means right. that if, all right, uh, you're a massive hamburger chain, and, of course, you're going to have a massive gross revenue. And then, of course, all of the expenditures you're paying for, all every, all the ingredients of everything you sell. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Well, wait a minute. Are we paying taxes at, on the flow of money? Yeah. Are we paying taxes on income? Well, that'd be the beautiful thing if they could get the the taxes on the flow of money. That's exactly what they. And, that's and, and not the direction that they want to go, yeah, and yeah. not pro, not profitability. Right. It's not about the net proceeds. It's about the gross revenue that comes in. Oh my gosh! You how many? You know how many small businesses would go under? Independent owner operator truckers would be gone because the taxation would kill them. Eight six six ninety red eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, eight six six ninety Red Eye. And uh, uh, Byron York wrote, uh, "We close twenty twenty two with Trump overkill, and not even talking about the the taxes released. There were nothing there, but he, you know, he talked about the uh, the uh, January sixth committee. Yeah. He said the whole exercise is meaningless. Of course, the Justice Department is already investigating allegations surrounding Trump's role. Prosecutors have no obligation to pay attention." to what the January 6th committee says. Indeed, there's a school of thought that argues that committee's referrals might even harm the Department of Justice investigation. Hmm. Even if prosecutors meticulously build a case with reliable evidence and testimony, a referral enables the defendant to argue that the indictment is politically motivated, which it does. And there's absolutely no doubt that the January 6th committee is politically motivated. Even a legal commentator on CNN admitted Tuesday that the committee has conducted a one-sided investigation and there's been no real examination of witnesses. Keep in mind this has been a one-sided affair, said CNN's uh, uh, Eli Honig. Uh, Yes, it's a bipartisan committee, but there's been no cross-examination. There's not even been any real examination of any of the underlying transcripts. Hmm. And as we said before, this is where you know that uh, uh, that Liz Cheney has abandoned any any pretext of being a conservative, yeah, and the same yeah, right, with right. same with her dad yeah. for defending her right. uh, on this. Here, it's an abomination what she has done when it comes to even yes, political due process. You sit there, and if you're going to go after somebody, and you, this it's the American way, and we all know it. You have you cross you are able to cross examine the witness and you cross examine the evidence. Yep. You just don't present it and say, "Here's the evidence." No cross examination. Guilty. Yep. Criminal referrals. Right. And even when you do that, the criminal referrals don't meet any of the standard of what the law actually is. Right. And yep. and when we've argued this point from the very beginning, as we argue all points, this is what's in the law. Trump is meaningless to all of this to us. 
It's what yeah. he's a person. They're going after him. Does the law fit what the allegations state? Right. No, they do not. Yeah. End of story. Yep. Yeah. And time and time again, we have seen this. And, you know, I mean, it's just um, it's just becoming uh, an old game. Yep. I mean, you would think they would want to change their tactics. But we go over and over again on the on the gotcha moment for Trump. I mean, over and over and over again. And they're not going to change their their tactics. It's the only well, they believe it's worked, right? Mm-hmm. It worked. They believe it worked in 2020. Why change it? As you said, you know, with Liz Cheney, she's just abandoned any, you know, anyone, any yeah. pretext of I'm a conservative. And her father, by supporting her on this, right. Dick Cheney would have been the first person when he served in Congress to be completely and totally outraged at what was being done here, that it was so one-sided. At, at one point, Liz Cheney, I, I, I thought, maybe I was wrong all along, would have come out and said, while I don't like the guy, this is wrong to do this. Yeah. Never. Ho, ho, Red Eye Radio, Merry Christmas, and Happy Holidays. And he is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I just found this article, and you just wonder, what's in the, what's in the head of ideological liberals these days? Mm. And I'm, I'm going, I read this headline, I'm like, what, what is he talking about? Where's this coming from? Yeah, right. Uh, and the headline is, and this is in uh, Vox.com, Vox, V-O-X, mm-hmm. you know, liberal uh, publication, by the way, right. website. Sotomayor and Kagan need to think about retiring. <laughs> and you're, I'm like, what, 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 are you, what are you talking about? Okay. And he goes, we have lived through the consequences of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's late life arrogance for more than two years. Hmm. And he said, uh, uh, here we are. The greatest women's rights lawyer in American history is now held by her ideological opposite. Now, eight years later, the question arises, should I haven't heard the question arise the first time. The question arises, should Sotomayor, who is 68 and Kagan, who is 62, do what Ginsburg would not? Both justices are much younger than Ginsburg in 2014. There are no reports that either is in ill health, although Sotomayor has diabetes. Uh, she's managed a condition nearly her entire life. Realistically, both judges could probably look forward to a decade or more of judicial service if they desire it. But even a mighty Supreme Court justice cannot overcome the merciless math facing Democrats in the Senate. Oh, yeah, in 24. Yep. The 2024 Senate map is so brutal for Democrats that they would likely need to win a landslide in the national popular vote just to break even. Unless they uh, stop the damage, some forecasts suggest those Democrats won't have 
a realistic shot at the Senate majority until 2030 or 2032. Wow. Even those forecasts may be too optimistic for Democrats. So what somebody's saying is the Democrats are so incredibly radical. This is from this is from the liberal point of view mm-hmm. that if you look at it, we're so radical. We can't win these Senate seats. And therefore, Sotomayor and Kagan need to retire in the next two years and, you know, give it to somebody in their 40s, another radical leftist in their 40s, so we can hold on for another 25 to 30 years until we reasonably can get the Senate back again. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, if you do the math, uh one of them is 68 the other is 62 and let's just say you want to add 10 years and say look uh you know it could be 2030 2032 before the democrats have another uh you know law uh, another big chance of of controlling the senate after 2024 then they're 78 and 72 And the the point is, is that if they don't retire before 2024 and then their health becomes a problem, right? Well, the Republicans have and, the Senate. And as he states, even beyond 2032, he goes 2032, yeah. but even right. beyond right. it could be. If Sotomayor and Kagan do not retire in the next two years, in other words, they could doom the entire country to live under a seven to two or even an eight to one court controlled by an increasing radicalized Republican Party appoint uh, Republican Party's appointees. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, and it, you know what they blame? Of course, it's the Senate because small states get to elect senators, right? Yeah. So of course, of that's course. why you yeah, need to get yeah. rid of the Senate. So. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's. And, you know, I mean, you look at it. Uh, I, there, but even if they, okay, let's say both of them decided to retire before 24. Or the end of, before the end of 24. And they were able to get uh, two replacements. That's really, that's not going to, you're not going to change the current makeup of the court, barring some kind of serious illness or death for a while. And it could even get worse for Democrats because they are absolutely right here. You you look at the map and you look at the seats and uh, that are up in 2024, and it does look, it's very brutal uh, for the Democrats. In the Senate. Now, Republicans could still <laughs> screw it up. Oh, yeah. But it is. But yeah. right now, you look at the odds and, and what those seats are, and that is not gonna, that's not going to bode well for them. But I, to, to me, it's just the point of this author who's mm-hmm. liberal, and this is, how, this is how a liberal looks at it, that mm-hmm. the understanding that our party is so radical mm-hmm. that we can't win at the – we can't win at the election box. Or, uh, you know, so we need to uh, – <laughs> uh, we they they need to retire now. 
Well, okay. Um, some of those that are up in, on the Democrat side uh, in, in the Senate. <laughs> Sherrod Brown in Ohio. It's possible you could have a Republican challenge Sherrod Brown in 24 and win that seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Well, as um, I said, I mean, the whole thing, what he just said the other day on immigration. Yeah, right. Uh, nobody... None of my constituents are talking about immigration. It's not a big deal. This is only a far right-wing thing. I wonder how the people of Ohio took to that one. Yeah. Uh, Bob Casey in Pennsylvania. Uh, if Diane Feinstein retires, uh, there's going to be another Diane Feinstein. That's yeah, not going to yeah, change. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just looking, going through. Oh, well, I mean, Kirsten Cinema uh, is up mm-hmm. in... In Arizona, in, uh, Arizona, and of course, she made the play to uh, become an independent. Uh, but, but of course, a, a maverick, yeah, a Republican could challenge her, and I would say there's a decent shot at a Republican winning against her. Certainly, over if as long as it's not Masters, I, I just don't think Masters was a good candidate. But certainly a, uh, versus a Mark Kelly, I don't think she's the stronger candidate of those two Democrats in Arizona. I don't think she would fare as well. Again, it depends on the strength of the Republican um, candidate in that case. But Mark Kelly gets the, you know, uh, married to Gabby Giffords, former astronaut. Then he was able to capitalize on that. She is not going to be able to do that. But again, it depends on who the Republicans get in there to challenge her. So there, there, are, a number, but there are a number of seats here where it does. I mean, you look at the map and it looks bad. Mm-hmm. And Supreme Court wise, that's not going to bode well for them. And, and when you look at it, I mean, there is a realization inside the Democratic Party how radical they are. They believe it, but they understand the American public isn't there, isn't there with them. Uh, are, are there any signs that the Democratic uh, Party moder- moderating on any issue right now? No. 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 None. No, they're not going to change a thing. Right. So it's not going to change a thing. Uh, 70% chance of a recession next year. Inflation could be a problem all the way through 2023 into mm-hmm. 2024. Mm-hmm. And even if inflation moderates, people still will have, when you think about it, the prices of things that they buy could be up by the time the next election comes around, 30 35% from what it was when Biden was in office. And so they're going to feel that. So the effects of inflation are still going to be felt at uh, at, at that uh, particular uh, time. Is Biden somehow going to become this uh, incredible dynamic personality in that time? And if he doesn't run, is uh, is Harris is Harris going to run? Mm. You know, is, is she going to run? I mean, who do, the, who do they actually... Oh, my God. Mm. What? And just just popped into my mind when I talked about that. What? Romney, if I run for president, I'll win. Yeah. Romney no, we said that we yesterday. floated his name recently. Oh, jeez. And I I have in in my mind I've believed that he would not run again for Senate in 24 that that was going to be a one-term thing for him. And what he did beyond that, you know, I didn't know. But certainly you have to entertain the idea of running again. 
uh, for president. And, yeah, no shocker. Okay, quickly, what does Romney stand for? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen his latest <laughs> firmware upgrade. He's a robot, so I depends on... You know, you had said that for years, and the and I the one time, and it was about oh a year and a maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, mm-hmm. when I was watching a repeat of um, uh, Tim Allen's show, Last uh, Man Standing, Last Man Standing, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, him and his youngest daughter were talking about you know how she was still upset about the the twenty twelve election. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. She's the conservative, yeah, you right. Know, in there, how upset, and he just said, "Well, he goes." Romney is a robot. I'm, oh my gosh! I can't. When Tim Allen said that, I burst out laughing. I probably texted you at that moment when that happened because yeah, you had said that such a long time ago. Yeah, I'm like, oh, so Tim Allen's listening to the show. Huh? <laughs> you know, Romney's a robot. It's like, <laughs> and it's true, he is a robot. Um, but I saw that yesterday. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. If I run, I'll win. Mm-hmm. Okay, and because you bring to the table what? Right. You know, he'd be, exactly? Right now, he'd be perfect for the forward party. No, he, he would be. Yeah. And, and by the way, we should talk about the forward party, but we're not uh, uh, tomorrow. But we're not going to be on the air tomorrow because this is our last day. Because tomorrow is Festivus, mm-hmm. which relates to Seinfeld, mm-hmm. and uh, as which is a show about nothing. Which is a show about nothing, and that's where yeah. the forward party is. A party about we're, nothing. We're a party about nothing. Yes. We're about our imagery. What about substance? No, we're not going to take a stand on the issues here because. You know, people don't like it when you talk issues. You know, they what 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 they want are people that you know will will con- be concerned about the American public and will solve problems. Yeah, but if you solve problems, you have to have an opinion. Well, here's here's their. Uh, this was I knew it was it, it was it was inspired by Seinfeld, the whole forward party thing, when they stepped up to the microphone the first day and said, "Listen, both parties go at each other and yada yada yada," and here we are. <laughs> It's just, uh, yeah, I, honestly, I want to hear what Mitt Romney has to say. What is he going to promote? How's he going to promote himself? Good luck. If I run, I'll win. Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead. Run. Yeah. Yeah. But I just love that article. When I saw that, I went, so do my Aaron Kagan need to think about retiring. And I had no idea what he was talking. I was like, what is he talking about? Is this somebody from the right wing or from the right or the left? Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, no, no. This is from the left. They realize how radical their party is. They don't believe they're going to win the Senate. Maybe for a decade or longer, they will be out of power. So they need to retire right now, even though they're in their 60s, to ensure that you can put somebody in on their 40s and can mm-hmm. stay there for another 20, right. 25 years. Right. That's beautiful. Right. I just love it. Yeah. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up on the top of the hour, uh, Gary's A Christmas Story. I'm talking to myself in third person, but it's better been saying, I guess I could say, my Christmas, the my the Christmas story. Yeah. 
because it's my Red Rider BB gun story. Right. I, and it, it, right. it wasn't a Red Rider BB gun. So. Right. I, when I was nine, I got a Glock. <laughs> we did get uh, Dick Tracy machine guns. I well, I grew up in Texas. It had to be a real gun. You okay, couldn't give yeah. a child a toy. It had to be a real gun. Yeah, <laughs> I could be wrong about that, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it's that's the case. <laughs> well, I was shooting my father's pistols very, very young. My mm. father had me out at the, the range. I was yeah. shooting very, very young. Yeah, age. we did that very yeah. early. Our so. kids did, did that very early, and and totally respected guns. I you know right. I I knew where my father's guns were, yep. and I knew where the key was. Well, and you think I ever opened it? <laughs> no his, way. His, no, I mean his gun cabinet. Um, no way. You know the and when you know with our kids, we would shoot the target, we would secure the weapon, and yeah. then we would retrieve that target, and you would look at it to to show them what kind of damage it does. Yeah, I mean, that it is not a toy. I can still remember the first time shooting, and it was like it was pretty scary, mm-hmm. you know, because you knew, you know, even as and I don't remember how exactly how old I was. I know it was before, probably ten or younger. Yeah, but I was, and but I had a totally healthy respect. I knew that it could kill, and I knew the seriousness of killing somebody with mm-hmm. a, a gun. Yep. So it taught me complete respect for firearms and how to properly handle them. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website, redeyeradioshow.com, or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord! We get it! They have chemistry! Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.